Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Well, guess what? Another hot day. However, some of you, and we're all jealous, were fortunate enough to get some rain last night. Now, it looks like it was only a hundredth of an inch, but rain is rain. We don't ever turn down rain. We really, really still need it. And uh, there is a chance we could get some more rain today. Same situation late in the evening. Missed me. I could see it falling, but it was south of me and I never got a drop. And that was really disappointing. It was something that I needed, wanted, just uh, can't figure out how it keeps skipping past me. So, Maybe we can get some today, those of us who missed out. At least it gets my car windows clean. If it, you know, a hundredth of an inch is enough to clean my car windows. And that's, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Now, most of us are on watering restrictions. And you may not have the ability at all to do outdoor watering. There are ways, and now is the time to do the research and the work. You could collect what little rainwater we get, and because we're an El Nino, we will probably be getting more rain than normal in October time frame. But right now we're not getting any. So this is when you start to think about putting in a rainwater collection system. They have the complexity of uh, sticking a bucket out under the edge of the house where the water tends to fall off when it does rain, to design systems, including full plumbing and pumping, so that you can uh, turn it on to irrigate a garden, or your trees, or even your turf. It just depends on what level you want to go to. Now, there's a simple formula here. When we get one inch of rain, I know we haven't heard that number in a long time. One inch of rain spread on one square foot of ground is equal to half a gallon of water. It's actually, I do a rounding error there. So it's easy to remember. It's actually 0.625 gallons of water. But that number lets you know that, for example, my house is 1,600 square feet. 
if I were to collect the one inch of rain off of my roof, that would be 800 gallons of water. 800 gallons. A 2,000 square foot house, you get 1,000 gallons of water. Nowadays, you can find rainwater tanks in a simple five-gallon bucket. Uh, you could wind up with one of those uh, food-grade blue barrels, 55-gallon barrels. Or you can start going to larger barrels. They make 100-gallon. They make 1,000-gallon barrels. Actually, it's 1150, I think, is the size of that particular one. You can get a 2,500-gallon rain barrel and install it. And those of you in an HOA, thumb your nose at them. You can, HOA cannot ban you from collecting rainwater. Now, they can demand that the rain barrel be in the back of your home so it's not seen. But they can't stop you from collecting rainwater. Depending on how big a home, depending on how much rain you get, you can tune the rain barrel to the size that you need. And there is nothing that prevents you from collecting rainwater between multiple barrels. I used to have six of the 55-gallon barrels interconnected, three on one side, three on the other. That gave me the ability to turn off one side and drain it and clean it and turn it back on and have uh, ready for more water collected. You can get systems that'll be hooked up and we'll have a pump available. So you've got all these gallons of rainwater. It's kind of hard to do anything with. You can get a pump hooked up to it and you can do irrigation, whether it's your turf, whether it's a garden bed, whether it's simply a pump on the end of a hose and it lets you spray water where you need it. These barrels, the polyethylene ones are great. They will last for years. You can apply paint to them which can help hide them if you have a disgruntled HOA. Um, I have seen the 55-gallon rain barrel drums painted up like R2-D2. It was, it was the cutest thing. I've seen them painted up like uh, Dr. Pepper cans. So there is, there's no ugliness to rain barrels. There doesn't have to be. And it is quite the feature that we haven't had rain in I don't know how many days. And to be able to go out there and take the rain that's been collected over a period of time and have it available while no one else does is really convenient. It keeps your plants alive. It allows you to keep your turf alive. It just depends on how much water you have. My 
1,600 square foot house, a quarter inch of water would easily fill all of my rain barrels. So I didn't need downpours to be able to get lots of water. I just needed to have the collection system in place so that when it did rain, I caught as much of the water as I could. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, gardeners. Um, talking about rainwater collection, it is a simple way to get the most you can out of the rain that falls. And the thing about that is it's free. You don't have to pay a water bill for the rain that falls on your property if you collect it. Now, I gave an example, an inch of rain falling on a 2,000 square foot house would be about a thousand gallons of water you could collect, a thousand gallons. We average, unfortunately not this year, we average 32 inches of rain per year. On that 2,000 square foot house, that's thousands of gallons of water, thousands of gallons. You'll actually reach a point sometimes where you're going to have to drain out some of the water out of your water tank because it'll be full. That's a terrible problem to have, to have too much water saved up. Doesn't cost you anything to store it. And as I mentioned, these rainwater tanks, you can paint them, decorate them. Um, I've seen people... uh, take fence pickets and wrap the fence pickets around the the tank so it looks like a big, you know, it looks like a Petticoat Junction water tank, you know. Jeez, I just dated myself a little bit there, didn't I? Uh, oh, well, um, you can make them look just about any way you want. You can make them invisible, basically, to the neighbors. So that's something you can try out. Let's go to the phone. This is Hope. Hope, what can I help you with? Hi, I have several native plants that are in pots. We got them this spring, probably about 10 of them, and we'd like to plant them in the ground probably in October when it's a little cooler and when we feel like we'll have enough energy to do this project. (laughs) What is something that we could do to prepare that area? We have um, a a big compost, and I was thinking about possibly spreading that on the ground prior to um, the, the time that we plant it. 
but I'm not sure what we should really do. It's it's just a part of a a yard. It's the the yard part is pretty dead looking right now. I think it's Bermuda. Does that turn brown when it's not watered? And then yes, kind of revive whenever it rains. Yeah, that's one of the things about Bermuda. Once it starts getting its water back, it recovers pretty quickly. So that will probably right. turn green again if we get rain. Right. I think that's the grass that we have. We've recently moved this spring, and so that's why we didn't plant anything in the ground yet. Um, so what is something that would be beneficial to encourage the the roots to adapt fairly quickly so that whenever we do get a frost or something like that, they'll they'll be prepared? Okay. Is this uh, a flower bed or yeah. just a grassy area? It's an actual flower bed. Okay. Oh, no, it's um, just a grassy area. We're going to create the flower bed. Got it. What you can do is um, you could you could plant like black-eyed peas or cream okay. peas. Follow the instructions. Keep them kind of close to each other. Let them grow until you're ready to go out there and plant your big plants. When it's that time, when you're ready to go, okay, we're going to put in our transplants now, you cut the black-eyed peas or cream peas or purple hulls, whichever kind you use, you're going to cut those flush to the ground. You're going to leave the roots. Do not pull out the roots. Okay. Then when you go to dig your holes for your uh, new plants going in, you can throw a shovel full of compost on top of that area and dig your holes so you work it all in together then plant your new plant. You will have uh, a really great start, even for any of our native plants. Okay, and so the black-eyed peas are just to add nutrients to that soil area? Correct, and organic matter. The black-eyed okay. peas will set roots, and when you, and they happen to collect nitrogen out of the air and fix it so that... When you kill the plant, when those roots decompose, they will return that nitrogen to the soil, which is always a good thing. We're shy of oh. nitrogen everywhere in Texas. So, Fantastic. plant, yeah, planting that. And the thing is, you can eat the black-eyed peas if you want. Oh, yeah. So if we have tomatoes. This is going to be, on a, we have a vegetable garden area on one half of the yard, or not half, but one side of the yard. And we're going to plant our native um, plants on the on the other side. So that's a neat idea that I would have never considered. And, you know, it'll work great for both sides of your garden. In the okay. winter, when you're done with tomatoes, it'll probably be too cold for the peas. So you plant things like clover. There's a plant called vetch. Both of those plants do the same thing. Make lots of roots, add lots of organic matter, store nitrogen, don't require any care per se. So summer, you do the peas. Uh, winter, when it's cold, you do the clover or the vetch. 
and you will have a better garden and a better flower garden. Okay, and one one final question, if that's okay. We have uh, Juliet tomatoes that my my son is really more into the vegetable gardening, and I just encourage and help water. Um, but he just cut back the Juliet so that they could hopefully continue growing through the fall. Is that one of the varieties that that will work with? I sure hope so, because I just cut mine back. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, they, okay. They, should, they should produce again in the fall. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks for the call, Hope. Uh, Don and Paul, I see you there. Can you give me a minute? We need to break for the news at the bottom of the hour. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Let's um, let's go to the phone. This is Don. Don, what can I help you with? Morning, uh, Jeff. Uh, thanks for your show and taking my call. Um, I called you two weeks ago and asked you about uh, storing tomatoes, whether it was better with stem on or off. And uh, you yes. said you saw a, uh, you remember seeing some article about it, but didn't remember the results. Uh, I ran a quick test. Here's what I found out. Uh, I thought I'd let you know. Um, I had two uh, tomatoes, a variety of tomatoes that I could test with. They're both uh, heirloom open pollinated. One of them is Boxcar Willie. The other one is uh, Pearson. Um, I've been growing those tomatoes here for 15 plus years and saving the seeds, so they're kind of acclimated. But anyway, I had, uh, uh, four willies that, uh, I could, uh, use for the test and I had six Pearsons. Well, the willies without the stem went first. Uh, the willies with the stem, they're about gone today. The Pearsons, it didn't seem to matter whether the stem's on or off, so. <laughs> I guess it's kind of inconclusive. It might just depend a lot more on the variety. <laughs> so well, that's what I found uh, out for you, Jeff. <laughs> well, actually, Don, that's, you know, with a lot of veggies, it's that way. Um, this one does this and the same uh, veggie of a different variety, you know, two different types of tomatoes. Maybe it does something different there i don't know but we see that it's really kind of hard to say well we know that tomatoes do this well no we kind of know and it depends on the variety of tomato so sometimes we just got to do what you do and uh check it out and see what happens um it's a cool experiment and now you know how to better care for your own tomatoes um Unfortunately, it, this one requires keeping the stem on, and this one doesn't care. So maybe it saves you work in some cases, or maybe you now know how to preserve your tomatoes longer. Right. Yeah. Um, that's it. Well, it was kind of a limited test, but anyway, that's that's what I found out, and I told you I'd uh, try it and let you know what happened. So there we go. Well, I do appreciate that, Don. Uh, thank you for the call and letting us know. Um, 
I am a little jealous that you have been growing the same varieties for so long of growing and saving the seeds. And, uh, you know, you wind up with such a better tomato that way because you're right, it's acclimated to you, to where you're growing it. And the results can um, really show up over the years. Um, I don't have that luxury, but uh, I'm glad you get it. This is how we get really good tomatoes. Let's go to the phone. This will be Paul. Paul, what can I help you with? Uh, good morning, Jeff. Uh, I was one of the lucky ones. Got that one one hundredth of an inch of rain last night. Always grateful. But the reason I'm calling, I just want to give you a big thank you for making me aware of a publication, uh, the Travis County Master Gardeners Association Garden Guide for Travis County and Vicinity. What a remarkable resource that is. I can't thank you enough. Um, that That is the, if you're stranded in Central Texas, the only book you really need to, you know, grow or make beautiful flower beds and which tree to pick and when to do things, that thing is a collection of lots and lots and lots of years of experience from the Master Gardener group. Yeah, this, um, this is the and you're right. edition that I've got. And, and uh, what I love is the format, how it's broken down by each month. This is what you need to do yeah. in February, March, et cetera. It's, it's a great resource. It is. It, it really is. Um, I teach a class in uh, horticulture, and it's always the top of my recommendation list. People are like, well, I just what book should I get? You have a great yeah, day. Paul, you too. Thanks for the call. Folks, I always tell people, take this book. This is not a gardening book. This is a plants that do great in Texas and when you take care of them and how and et cetera. It's an instruction manual, whether you're trying to make a big flower bed or you're trying to grow a decent tomato or maybe a watermelon. It is worth every penny. It is a great guide. It's uh, a spiral bound, and you can take notes in it. And it, that is how you really become a very good gardener, is to um, take notes and always have an idea of what you're growing, when, how it's behaving, things like that. Um, this is just a, this is just the book. Uh, Paul's right. It is it is everything you need in one guide. It answers so many questions. It it's um, it could be said it's all you need to really become a successful gardener in Central Texas. And again, it's not just growing veggies. It's guide on fruit trees it's a guide on which shrubs do best around here it's a guide on uh when to trim and when to compost and which trees you should be planting where it is the the perfect perfect discussion of managing central texas landscapes 
And, you know, when I say Central Texas, it's easily the three county centers, you know, um, Hayes, Travis, and Williamson for sure. And further out than that, uh, East and West, those are also the proper places to in- employ this book and use its knowledge to give you uh, great plans. It is really um, it is really a wonderful guide. You can find it at most nurseries. And believe it or not, you'll find it in half-price books. And people are like, yeah, but they've already filled it in with all their notes. Okay. That's like complaining that you're going to college and you bought a new... Uh, you bought a new textbook for your class, but somebody wrote in it. Somebody, you know, highlighted it, wrote in it. Great. They did some of the work for you. So uh, <laughs> go ahead and get this book. Go check it out. See if you can find a copy somewhere. If you've not seen it, this is how you can really, really develop a great landscape, a more successful garden, and beautiful flower beds that are uh, drought resistant, that can handle the kind of weather that we've been dealing with. That weather isn't going to get any better for quite a while, so it's uh, a good idea to start learning how to manage the drought. Because uh, we're going to be in drought for a long time. Uh, Joanne, I see you there. If you can hang on, I've got to take a break. I'll catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 Welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Joanne. Joanne, what can I help you with? Uh, good morning, Jeff. I have a rubber plant that uh, the tree next door uh, died, and they cut it down. And now my rubber plant is getting sun scald because it doesn't have enough shade. So I moved it to one side of the house to get morning sun. And because it's been so hot, it got even worse sun scald over there. So what do I do with the sun scalded leaves? pull them off and how do I give them a little boost you uh, take a sharp pair of pruners and try to cut them off cleanly at the trunk they're never going to recover they're scalded they're never going to look good again that should encourage you to put on more growth number two always instant first aid is to give it a seaweed solution Now, whether you drench it in the container or you foliar feed it, either way, the seaweed will help strengthen it up and help it adjust to the temperatures. Um, But you can, like I said, spray it, mist it. uh, Mist it when it's in the shade side, okay? Or just drench the container so that it gets... um, the seaweed through the roots. But prune off those ugly leaves 
new ones will grow back. It'll just take them a while to get there because of our how hot it is. Right. So do the same thing. I have a mandevilla um, I got earlier this year, and it, it also has sense called. Um, so do the same thing. Trim off those leaves, stretch it, and encourage the new yeah. growth. Yeah, that'll work for that one, too. That tells you a lot, though. That is a plant that can manage in full sun. So that's telling you how bad the weather actually is. The seaweed will help it deal with the drought and deal with the heat. Um, Getting rid of the nasty leaves, same thing. Clean cuts right along the stem, and it should put on new growth. Okay. And my last question is, I have a, a rose in a tub. The two roses next to it are beautiful. This one is turning brown at the leaves and, and others. Same watering, the same other. Um, should I just trim off uh, the stems that are, they're, that are brown and, and encourage the ones that are still green? Yes. Uh, roses will do that to you. They'll be beautiful, and they'll be green and lots of blooms, and then all of a sudden you'll start seeing various stems are dying. The leaves turn brown, the stem turns brown, it becomes brittle. That is not unusual. It's unnerving, but it's not unusual. So trim those off, keep them cut uh, clean so you don't have them, and again, the, the rose would enjoy the seaweed as much as any of the other plants. Drench it or foliar feed it. But um, you trim off that bad stuff, and you will probably see it put on new growth and new blooms. Fabulous. Um, real quick, I tried to drown my hydrangea because I didn't know that the pot I put it in did not have enough adequate drainage. Can I just cut off the, the current blooms? Will it rebloom? Um, yeah, it should. Um, you really, really want to make sure it gets that drainage it needs. And be yeah, careful I, now. I took it out of the pot. Do it. <laughs> I'm discarding yeah. that particular pot. <laughs> well, don't overdo it now and, and not water it enough. Right. Really needs that drainage. And you can cut off the ugly on it also, which should encourage it to put new blooms on. Uh, sounds sounds great. I appreciate your uh, every Saturday and Sunday. Thank you so much for your advice. Thanks for the call, Joanne. Yeah, folks, um, we're seeing plants that we would normally go, oh, it could handle this. Not handling this, all right? We have sent temperature records that are above and beyond what many of these plants expect or have ever lived through. So... The correct water, slow, deep, and um, you, you really want that water to get down as deep as possible. In a container, make sure it can drain. Make sure you have drain holes in there because you'll be surprised the root zone will start to get wet and it won't drain. And it'll be a, a muddy, mucky mess, and that's really hard on the plant. You might 
tilt the pot on its side and try to pull it out a little bit to see if, in fact, it's draining or you're just building up uh, um, mud pies at the bottom of the container. Even in this heat, you can have a too much water problem. Make sure that your plants get drainage if they're in containers. Plants in the ground, remember, water, slow, and deep. You want that water to go at least four inches deep. More is better. And you don't water again till it's on the dry side. There are not a lot of plants that require everyday water. Heck, many of our plants, if you have worked your soil and the soil is decent, you can easily get by with once a week watering. So go out there and check it to make sure you're not killing anything. It is so hot, so hot, you are going to find that you're probably going to need water more frequently. Don't guess. Put your finger in the dirt, whether it's under a tree or under a rose or underneath your tomatoes. Don't guess because it's really easy to overdo water. Even in this conditions, make sure that the plant needs the water. Don't assume, oh, it's hot and it's wilting at five o'clock. I better give it water. No. You better stick your finger in the soil and feel how dry it is. That's the only way to know. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break at the top of the hour for the news. I'll catch you on the other side. 